0: not going to dip in holy ghost oil.
1: Facial hair is not apostolic. Oh, you're just going to stay and angry at God for the next whether it's popular or not, we're seeking out what pleases the Lord. Okay, friends, we are back this week with a brand new guest, Um, so thank you so much for being here. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself if you feel comfortable sharing your name and what branch of Pentecostalism you grew up in?
0: Yeah, hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Christina, and I was born and raised in the UPC, so United Pentecostal Church uh, International, I think it is, UPCI.
1: Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Perfect. And how long... um, excuse me, were you born, you said you were born into the organization?
0: Yeah, born, dedicated, and raised in the UPC. Um, I officially left when I was 22. Um, So gigantic part of my life was spent in the UPC.
1: Yeah, And was your family involved in it as well?
0: Yes, absolutely. So my dad, um, when I was born, he was actually a Uh, Spanish pastor for the Spanish congregation. Um, I don't remember, I can't remember exactly what age it was where he ended up handing the church over to somebody else. Um, But I mean, ever since I can remember, I was, you know, running around the pews and sleeping under the pews. And so, um, yeah, we were very involved. Um, A lot of past guests have mentioned the whole, you know, when the church doors are open, we're going to be there. So, um, yeah, that's, that's all my life was. And so, um, you know, growing up as a, as a PK, a pastor's kid, um, you know, that's, that's all, you know.
1: Yeah. Did you feel like there was an extra, um, like expectation of you since you were a pastor's kid? Absolutely. I mean, when
0: you're like a little kid, like you don't really feel it. Um, It's until you start getting, I don't know, 10, 11, 12. It's when you start noticing that, you know, the extra attention is on you. Um, But I mean, I feel like even outside of that, like, my parents were always reminding me like, and I even like my parents, but other leaders like would always say like, you're representing the church and you're representing your pastor. And so make sure you're Living a life according to God, but also remember that you're being a full representation of your church. And so there was a lot of pressure, obviously, from a young age.
1: And were you involved in different ministries during your time in the UPC?
0: Yes. Um, so I started singing on the platform. I was actually 12, um, which was very young. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know, I don't know if it was I don't know why they let me sing so young, but um, I started worship team pretty early on. And, um, you know, just worshiping. And obviously when you get older, you, you know, or when I got older, I was involved very much in youth. And um, so there was always something going on. And it was all centered around the church, So, <clears throat> And were you happy during this time? Um. I mean, I would say when I was a kid, you know, like, I have it in my notes here. Like, when you're a kid in the UPC, like, you're just a kid, and I feel like details don't really matter as much, and so, you know, and especially if this is all you know, you know, you have friends in the the church, and it's not until, like, you're older, then you start kind of being like, wait... (laughs) there's something off here. Like, there's something that's a little bit different about how we live versus how, like, my friends live. Right. Um, but when you're a kid, like, at least for me, like, my, my, my childhood was pretty okay. Um, I do remember, though, like, just the, I think just the overall sense of contradiction <laughs> that we all face at some point in the UPC. Um, you know, when you're little yeah uh, you uh you, you listen to different worship artists and stuff like that and like my parents were okay with us listening to like you know, pretty much any Christian artist. But you look at these like covers of these CDs and these cassettes, because I'm that old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the cassettes, and you know, the women on the on the pictures are wearing earrings and they're wearing makeup. And you know, like the old Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir albums and yeah. Kirk Franklin and Crystal Lewis. And yeah, I remember. You know, I would have questions about it, but I wouldn't really, like, dwell on it because, again, you're just a kid. But I do remember kind of having questions, and I remember asking my parents, like, well, why do they get to, and I can't? And I just, you know, it was always a very, like, brushed-off answer. Like, oh, it's because, you know, we're just not a part of that, and we don't really, you know, we're Christian, and that's just what we don't do. And so you know, as a kid who is raised in this culture, you just learn to just be like, okay. (laughs) And then just kind of your life. And so I think, you know, my earliest like thoughts of like, wait, that's weird. You know, that's what I
1: remember being. And so I guess that's kind of where it all started. And it's actually nice. I was thinking about this not long ago. Like, so there are artists um, that like, you know, in the UPC, we would sing their songs. They would never be allowed on the platform. Absolutely. And I think. Sorry, No, I was just going to say these artists who, you know, they're using their worship music. um, They would use the music. But if these people ever walked in the doors, they would never be allowed to be on the platform in any capacity based upon their looks.
0: Absolutely. And so I think as I started getting older, especially being a part of worship so early on, um, as I started getting into my teens um on top of becoming a teenager which is a huge thing for anybody um i feel like i i was like questioning more like wait so we're not allowed to wear earrings we're not allowed to wear makeup we're not but we're allowed to sing these people's songs what yeah <laughs> so that was just i think what it's it was when i was like in my teenage years where i started to really see like you know there's definitely inconsistencies and nobody really had an answer for it. And that was that was frustrating. That was very very frustrating as a teenager. Um so I think that's kind of where it all started.
1: <laughs> yeah, did you guys have a bigger youth group in the area that you were in? Um not necessarily. Our
0: church was our church was it wasn't huge, but it um I would say a good size. Uh, But we did, we always had like a good amount of kids in our youth group. Um, My first experiences in the youth group weren't that great. Um, I think because I had been a PK pastor's kid. um, I kind of had this like, I don't know how to explain it, but just people just kind of looked down on me. Um, There was one leader in particular, she pretty much made my life a living hell. I don't know if she just thought I was this entitled little brat. <laughs> but it was just, it was to the point where I was just so uncomfortable going to youth just because, like, I always felt just this disdain and, you know. It was it was my first, like, experience of the cliques in the UPC, you know. Yeah. I feel like the UPC does a very good job at maintaining these cliques and maintaining these elite groups. <laughs> yeah. And that was uncomfortable, that's for sure. Um, even to the point where one time I remember her telling me something. I don't, I don't remember the context of the conversation, but she um, she mentioned something to me like, um, I'm sorry to rain down on your little PK parade, but the world doesn't revolve around you and your ideas. And I was 12 and that had a huge impact on me. And I was like, wait, but then she would show up on Sunday mornings and be the biggest worshiper, you know, she'd be praying over everybody. but so yeah, that was I felt like I was bullied from a young age for some reason and and then to see her get up like on the platform on Sunday, like that was hard.
1: Did anybody around you know that that was happening?
0: My mom did. Um, but I think because there was always a sense of like we, earlier we talked about expectations you know, and you need to present yourself well, and you need to get along with everybody, and, you know, you're representing, you know, your dad, you're, you're representing your pastor, too, and so, like, make sure that, you, it wasn't explicitly said, but just just the expectation to thrive in this environment, you know, and that's a lot of pressure for a 12-year-old.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so absolutely.
0: I to, like, go to these youth groups, and a part of it, I think my mom was just like, okay, well, you know, let, let's just keep trying. Let's just give it another chance. But every time I would go, it was just, I was bullied over and over and it was horrible. Um, it was when I was like 15, 14, 15, we finally got another youth leader and everything was good. Everything was much better. Big breath of fresh air because I wasn't being bullied at that point. Um but that's also the time of my life where, you know, I'm an older teenager, and, you know, as a girl, you're developing. And and I started noticing, like, a different type of, like, nitpicking at me. Like, my skirt was never right. My hair was never right. Why don't you wear these shoes? Why don't you wear this skirt? And so it was just – I was just like, okay, are you kidding me? Yeah. Here we go again. And so, um, so yeah, it's just my, my childhood was, was good. It's just, as I started getting older and I had questions and I had these expectations put on, and I had all these things happening. It was just, I, I was kind of
1: getting over it. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot to deal with, especially, you know, such formative years that the people around you are not embracing you and loving you and supporting you, you know, and lifting you up in a way that is super important during that time exactly and I think that you know I I
0: feel as though maybe it maybe it might not happen in like every church but from from my experience like there were I I look back and like in hindsight and I'm just like okay all these like things like they broke me down a hundred percent and then I feel like because there's expectations to like fit in it's like they break you down in order to build you back up to their to their qualifications, you know. Yes. They know you're vulnerable. They're they know that, you know, you're down here and now you're able they're able to kind of like mold you and shape you into what they want. And I feel like that's what my second youth leader was doing. She was you know, trying to get me to fit this shape <laughs> that I was never going to fit in. You know, I was always that girl that wore, you know, jean skirts just because I had to. Um, and, like, a t-shirt and sandals. I never did the whole updos. I never did the whole outrageous outfits. I was just me. Yeah. And I didn't fit in. Um, and so I started feeling that, like I said, like, as I was getting to be, like, an older teenager. Um, but as I started getting older, I, I felt like... There was more people watching me, um, you know, and that was uncomfortable. I remember one time before Sunday service, we had, like, worship team practice, obviously. And um, there was a point to where one of the leaders, she was also in the praise team, she had her phone out, and I was like, okay, whatever. And then um, once the practice ended, they called me into the... They called me into their office, and I was like so confused. I was like, "What is happening? Like, what is happening now?" And so they sat me down. It was her. It was one leader, and then it was uh, it was another youth leader too. She there she, the, the main leader, she was like, oh, I have her here with me because I need some moral support. And I just, you know, I need her here to kind of witness this. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs>
1: Did I kill somebody? Like, what? And to, to pause here real quick, I've never been in a meeting, and I have been in plenty, where there wasn't more than one leader who's like, they're here basically to be my witness. Like, yes. To what? Like, what are we about to do? Like, what do you mean you need a witness? Like, what? <laughs> So yeah, that's like like, I feel super common without the like throughout the organization that there's always multiple people in these meetings that they call whenever they want. Right. Whenever
0: they want and to whoever they want. And so basically she had pulled me she had pulled me in and said, I took the liberty of taking a picture of your skirt and I sent it to my husband because I wanted him to see how tight it was. And for that reason, you are not able to sing on the platform today. And I was like, what? (laughs) Just the fact that, like, she had taken a picture of my butt and sent it to her husband to prove a point. And so it doesn't end there. So she goes, she goes, "Um, I just don't think it's fair that my son is sitting on the front row having to. You with your tight skirt on.
1: Can I and ask how old you were during this? I was
0: I was 16.
1: So adults are sending pictures of a minor.
0: Of my butt. Of
1: your butt. <laughs> to, um
0: to, other, to other leaders. To men, to another man. And you know, at, at the time, and it's just so crazy to me, because of course, like you say that, you know, we look at it now and we're like, what the what? Yeah. <laughs> That's that, i'm pretty sure that's illegal <laughs> pretty sure and um but at that time like i didn't feel like that i was like <gasps> i was so ashamed of myself i was so like i didn't think about like the fact that like okay well that was very violating why did you do that because again the culture that we are raised in you don't you don't have questions and anytime it comes to leadership you're going to respect them so much, you know, and you're going to take their word for whatever they say, and you're just going to deal with it because they're the leaders. They were chosen by God. They're the ones who are going to lead us to God. You know, they're our shepherds, right? So mm-hmm. you just want to just, like, take it. And side note, I just feel like that's where they <laughs> that's where they find their manipulation at its best, you know? Yes. Like, they break us down, and then they rebuild us back up you know? And, um, and so just that situation alone, like I said, I was, I think I was 16, 17 around there. And I think at that point I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, number one, like you took a picture and you violated me. Number two, like, it's my fault that your son is going to be distracted. <laughs> like, it's my fault, like that he's going to go to hell because I'm,
1: Distracting him. <laughs> right. And and this is, you know, I got love for everybody. Um, men included. I know how, how tough it was for men in the UPC with their guidelines and their, you know, ridiculous standards that they had to uphold. But it you know, within the UPC, men were not held accountable. Um when it came to this specific instance. It was the guy's going to look, so you have to change. You have to not be on the platform. You know, it wasn't a, hey, maybe he should fix his eyes on the Lord. You know, nothing like that. It's, you know, the women and the young girls were always held accountable for the actions of men and young guys. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And that was definitely a perfect example of that. Um, You know, I left that meeting and I was just like, okay, like... I'm over this. Like, I'm done. Like, I was so mad. I was so confused. I was ashamed as well. Because again, it's like, I've let somebody down. And you know, the culture that we've heard so much, you know, with our past guests, like, you know, they are able to manipulate you to believe that these leaders are pretty much God. And if you have let them down, you know, you might as well just you know, you might as well just go straight to hell, <laughs> like, yeah. so, but, um, but then again, it was just that, like, feeling of, like, man, like, I have let somebody down, I'm ashamed of myself, you know, and so that was just one situation, and I look back, and I'm, like, wow, like, the sexualization of girls. Yes. It was tremendous. Tremendous. Absolutely. And If this was my daughter (laughs) now and I found out that somebody took a picture of her rear end and sent it to their husband, like, all hell would break loose. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, again, it's once you're
1: in that – once you're in the culture, it's, like, you don't even really think twice about it. No. And it's, like, being a mom now, like, the way that Mm -hmm. I just would have – not reacted um, (laughs) the way that the adults around me reacted at the time. Totally different. Um, But like you said, it's so hard when you're in it to see anything outside of it because you are made to believe that what they are saying is 100% fact and you can't argue with it because they're an extension of God.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, Again, I'm 16, 17 years old, and I'm kind of like entering that phase where I guess in the world, like, you know, teenagers are going to teenager and they're going to do crazy things. Um, but unfortunately, I'm in this in this church where I'm not allowed to do that stuff. So I was like, you know, I'm I'm tired of this. I kind of want to rebel a little bit because this was ridiculous. Like, I was so embarrassed from this situation. I one of the other um, little stories I wanted to share that I thought was kind of funny, Um, because of that meeting, a few weeks later, me and my best friend went out and bought um, fake eyelashes, (laughs) like the thinnest, smallest eyelashes ever, and we wore them to church on Sunday that I wasn't singing, and, you know, we went through the service, everything was fine, we went up to the altar. I had the balls to go up to the altar during altar call with these eyelashes on. And guess who comes straight to me to pray with me is that same leader that had pulled me into the office. You know, I can even remember her prayer. God, give her, um, what did I write down? Um, You know, holy uh, conviction and basically like, you know, I don't, I don't know if you would say like that's like a threat, <laughs> like, um, yeah, just like make sure she's she's holy and give her conviction, and because she saw my eyelashes and she wanted to get to me, and I just thought that was funny. But the, the just little, those are just like little stories that I just look back and I'm like, wow, like you had you had this opportunity to make such an impact. In my life and you had this opportunity to really grow me as a Christian as a young girl as a future leader and you were so focused on like
1: the dumbest things right and that word conviction like yes if I had a penny for every time I heard yeah. it said it myself my God, the amount of times I have said it <laughs> Like, yeah in prayer it's
0: a commonly used word yeah and like he was praying over me to have heavy and and holy conviction. Um, basically means that you've been a you know set on a very narrow and structured road where you're not going to sin and remain in good standings with God. But is it remain in good standings with God or is it with leaders? <laughs> remain in good standings with the the pastor's wife, like to appease them because you know, they want you to look a certain way, is that how they would get you, you know, by, by, by praying this prayer over you to where you're going to feel horrible about yourself. Yeah. And then again, break you down and then build you back up to where they want you to be. Um, But, you know, those convictions and standards, they definitely go hand in hand when you're in the UPCI. Yeah. Unless of course you're a pastor or in a pastoral family, then I feel like you're immune (laughs)
1: <laughs> right. Like the rules may or may not apply depending on who you are. Um, so during this time, did you ever go back on the platform to sing or were you down for the rest of the time in your in the organization?
0: No, I was kind of I was back and forth. Um, you know, I would have my little breaks here and there, and I felt like I kind of built myself back up with I remained in good standings with the leaders. <laughs> Um, to where I could earn my spot back on the platform. Um, but you know, it was always like I was walking on eggshells, like making sure everything looked good. Everything, my outward appearance was perfect because I feel like when your outward appearance is perfect in the UPC, oh, you're doing great.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Nobody even stops to think about what, what you might be facing internally. As long as the outward looks up to par with what they wanted to be the inside, you know, there's not really as much of a push to make sure that that's doing that that's okay and you're doing okay exactly
0: and I feel like at that point in my life like I had dealt with so much bullying in the UPC from leaders that I I wanted to be close to and I wanted to have a good connection with them I wanted to appease them I wanted to I wanted them to approve of me you know and so my whole effort was to do that to appease them but you know I was also dealing with issues of um, just kind of self-loathing and not really knowing who I was and not really having anybody to turn to Um, I have you know I have a very very amazing set of parents and I'm so thankful for them and you know I think because they were so heavily involved, you know, they kind of just went with the motions and they would try to encourage me as much as possible, but I think they themselves were also dealing with the pressures of, you know, keeping everything perfect Yeah. <laughs> the easement of the past. I feel like when I look back on like my teenage years, I feel like it was just numbness and just getting by. <laughs> Doing what I could to make sure
1: that everything was, everything seemed perfect. Which is so heartbreaking because like the common theme of of myself, if you, a lot of the other guests and people who are going to be on, um, who I've gotten to know is that nobody was actually scared of what the Lord thought. You know, there wasn't this like fear of God instilled in them. It was always a fear of leadership. It was always letting leadership down. It was always letting the people around, you know, the members of the church, the organization itself. That's where the pressure was, was to make these people happy. You know, there was no time to actually figure out, you know, your own relationship with God, if that's what you wanted to do. It was, Mm -hmm. it all has to be this way and you have to do these exact things in order for everything to work.
0: Yeah. In order for you to be deemed holy and, you know. On the right path <laughs>
1: yeah and that's uh, so that's so disappointing and like you said you know they had every opportunity to build you up and to you know support you and be there for you during these really formative years and instead you were bullied and looked down on yes of course and you know I I
0: I can look back and like attribute so much of like my internal struggles with just everything that I had been dealing with, you know, just always being a people pleaser. I think you talked, I think it was you who, who talked about that, just wanting to please people at all times, because when you please like, the leaders in the UPC, you have, you might as well just have a, a ticket straight to heaven. <laughs> like yeah. you're in good standings. You're, uh, everything is perfect. Like, and they know this. And that's the part that, you know, I had the hardest time with after leaving is just realizing that they knew this, they know the control that they have over these people because of the fact that they are chosen by God. And, you know, and they are, you know, at least in their minds, they're the ones that are going to be leading us straight to heaven. It's not even God who is giving us salvation. I feel like it's them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because you have to do what they say.
0: Exactly um, their and salvation
1: feel- standards, their life standards, all of it.
0: Yes, exactly. And so I feel like a lot of my bitterness and resentment came from that fact alone is just the amount of manipulation that exists. And you know, I guess I should have prefaced this like earlier is just um, there was one of the the past guests who said that, you know it's it's the organization, it's not necessarily the people. So, organization and just all the the beliefs and this the structure that was that this organization has been built on. Um, that is what we're fighting against, and that's you know. Although there are pre- there are some people that I'm like, ooh, if I could see them today, <laughs> not fact the that they made and made them make them realize, like you know. Just all the stuff that I had to deal with, and, but um, it's it's not necessarily the people; it's it's the organization. And while I, you know, I I still struggle with a little bit of like bitterness, and just as I as I get older, I'm I'm learning to kind of deprogram myself to a lot of my beliefs because a lot of them are still there, although I know it's it's not right. You know, a lot of these beliefs and structures have been built on things that we don't even realize, like, when we're in the UPC. I think it was one of the last guests who broke down a lot of, like, these standards and rules and guidelines, and I was so blown away. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's why we believe that, or oh, my gosh, that's why we believe this is salvation, and oh, my gosh, like, I've been learning so much about, like, the past guests, or from the past guests, and I'm just like, wow. Wow. And it definitely adds a little bit to my, (laughs) to my resentment,
1: but I'm definitely, I'm definitely working through it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Talk to me about leaving. How old were you when you decided to go and how long did it take you? Was it like a a quick decision? Like, you know what, I've had enough or did it, you know, take you a little bit to leave?
0: I left, I believe I was 21, 22. Um, I think it was, so it was at the end of the year. Uh, I want to say, like, November of that year, that's when I finally sent a an email to my head pastor. Um, but leading up to that moment, like, I think it was just that year that I was just, I was over it. And I was like, there's no way. Like, there has to be more. Like, I, I just started to see so many just different, so many more inconsistencies and just so much, like, double-sidedness of everything <laughs> everything I can we would be here for days if I were to tell you like all the <laughs> I saw. and I'm just like at that point I was like okay can you see yourself like getting married in this organization and having kids and then just the thought of having a little girl <laughs> I wasn't even married I wasn't pregnant or anything but I was just like thinking like down the line like is this something that I would want to put her through or even like you know if I had a boy, like is this something that I would want him to be raised in? And I was like, no, <laughs> absolutely. Not. There has to be more. We can't be the only people that are going to be going to heaven, which right. that's you know, I remember, you know, years before someone mentioning that only the people in the UPC are going to be going to heaven. <laughs> and I was like, no, really? Like, I don't know about that one. But just that's just, like, the overall I, – I don't think they would come out and say it over a pulpit, but I think that's, like, their general belief. And I was just having a hard time with that. And so I think it was that year I was really praying about it, and I was like, hey, God, like, I need a fresh start, and I can't do it here. Like, show me. Like, what do I do? Like, help me. And so November comes around, and I was like, all right, I think I'm done. And so I had sent an email to, um, you know, the head pastor and basically explaining, you know, thank you for, you know, just everything. And I I honestly don't even know what I was thinking him for. (laughs) I look Uh back and um, letting him know what my last service was going to be. And I sent it and the day came and that was a struggle. That was really, really scary just because I, this is something that I had been born and raised into and where was I to go? (laughs) Like, this is like taking out my entire foundation from underneath, under me, but I knew I had to do it because I was like, no, there's, there's gotta be more. But at the same time, it's like, it was a big internal struggle. But so the day came this, sorry, do you want to say something? No, go ahead. Okay, um, the day came, and nobody said one word to me. Uh, Sunday morning, I showed up, and I was at least expecting, like, the pastor to be like, oh, um, you know, we're going to miss you or whatever. He didn't say one word to me. His wife didn't say anything to me. None of the leaders said anything to me. It was just like, I just showed up, and the service was over and that was it and that was very very impactful <laughs> i feel like although it was hurtful it's like i needed that i needed that to solidify what i was feeling and i needed that to solidify like okay this is the right choice because if you can't have a leader you know who has been a prominent figure in my life for the longest time say anything to me when he knows i'm leaving like that's crazy <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I left and I actually went straight to the mall to get my ears pierced. <laughs> and then I right went home. it. I love it. <laughs> and then I went home and I threw away all of my jean skirts because I was like, there's no way <laughs> I'm done this. And that in itself, it sounds so silly, but it was so liberating because it was like i was i was taking control of something that i did not have control of for my entire life mm-hmm.